Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Katie. Hi, my name is Katie. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. Thanks, Justin, for asking me to speak. Um, Welcome to the newcomers. To qualify, I have a little over three and a half years of abstinence, and I'm down 93 pounds for my top weight. And that is a total miracle. And I always, I always share this that like, my mom used to bet me (laughs) if I could lose 10 pounds, she would buy me a new outfit. If I could lose 50 pounds, she'd take me to Hawaii. And like, I wanted that trip. You know, I wanted that those clothes. But I could never do it. And not just could I never do it, but I would always gain weight. Um, so it really was getting nowhere. And uh, and so to stand up here and, like, have found a solution that works is a complete gift. And um, a little bit about what it was like. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic family, like I think a lot of us did. And um, for the first two and a half years of my program, I blamed everything on that. And... Uh, And it's not because of them that I have this disease. I have two other sisters who are normies. And we grew up in the same home. So that really, I can't use that as a blame game. Um, And, you know, growing up, I always just felt different. And I didn't know that that was the disease. But I always felt like something was off with me. You know, Um, I always had friends, but I felt alone. I always felt like somehow I was different, and I always wanted what you had, and when I got it, I wanted two of them, you know, and um, and that's my disease still, is I always want what, what someone else has, and then if I get it, I find something wrong with it, and it's not quite right, and, and I've learned in here to look at those things, you know, when I came in, I just wanted to look at my behaviors with food, and really what I've gotten... Lately is my thinking is so messed up, and I was talking to someone, another fellow today, and I was saying that when I was, I think, six years old, I'm the oldest of three, and my mom had told us, you know, the stove is hot, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove, and my sisters would walk around it like there was lava coming out of it. They were so scared of it. They, like, went in the other room. And what did I do? Like, I stick my hand, like, right on, not on the stove, but right by it. Because I have to see for myself that it's boiling hot, and then it will burn my hand off. Like, I, it's not enough for me to be told these things. And, uh, and so I always felt different. And, um, you know, early on I got the message that the, as long as I was thin and decent looking, um, everything else didn't matter. You know, I could be screwing up in every area of my life. If I was in a thin body, it was okay. Um, and so I got that message, and I ran with it, and was going to all these, you know, fat camps and weight loss things from the ages of six on. And one year, uh, my sisters and I got sent to this fat camp up in Ojai that probably cost my parents a fortune. And the counselor pulled us aside and said, like, what are you guys doing here? Because we were at that time in totally normal-sized bodies. But that thinking 
was still there and a seed was planted that I wasn't okay. And my parents split up and as a, a I can't cuss, so as a screw you to my parents, um, or to my dad really, I started picking up the food because I'm going to get fat. And, and it worked. You know, the food works. And I'm a big believer that any addiction, you know, it works for a while. We wouldn't have picked it up over and over again if it didn't work. And it quieted something in me, and it made me feel okay. And instead of eating the lunch that my mom would pack me and send me to school with, I would buy, I would have a chocolate chip muffin and those really disgusting but amazing, like, fruit snacks as my lunch. And I would eat it in the, in the bathroom by myself. And I had friends. You know, I was social. I just didn't want you to see me eat. And so I ate in the bathroom, and then I would come out of hibernation and go on the yard and, and play. And, uh, and just it continued and it continued, but the weight didn't show up because I was really active. And the weight never showed up until high school. And um, when it started showing up, I always had kind of a sick acceptance around the weight. Like, all right, the weight's here, but I'm not going to stop eating. That was never an option. So the weight's just going to be here. And I found, I became friends with a girl, and she taught me how to throw up. And I thought, this is the answer to my prayers. Like, truly. Because I would, I grew up Catholic, and I would go into Mass. And my mom taught us to say our prayers. And my Sisters were probably praying for health and happiness, and I was praying to be skinny. And uh, and I would say, dear God, please just let me, it's straight out of the literature, let me eat whatever I want and be thin. Like, I will be Mother Teresa. I will be the best person on this earth if you just let me do that. And so then when I found this, you know, purging, I was like, oh, my God, thank you, God. This is what I was looking for this whole time. And, and you direct, it was like divine intervention. You, you, you know, you came right through me. And, and I really believed it. And, um, and, again, it worked until it didn't work anymore. And then um, fast forward, high school was just up and down, up and down. But at that time, I couldn't get down to a decent weight, and by the time I graduated from high school, I was about 180 pounds, and I went to an all-girls high school in the Valley where we had to wear these dresses that were like wedding dresses for your graduation, and I, and I had to be fitted, and I remember the dressmakers saying, well, Katie, if you just cut down the pasta that you're obviously eating, you, you'll be fine, and we can get you down to a normal size before, before your graduation. And all I remember getting ready for that graduation was I couldn't enjoy the day. I couldn't be present. I was just thinking, oh, my God, I hope this dress fits. I hope this dress fits. And it fit, and I felt like like this huge marshmallow on the stage, and it was miserable. And I get to remember that today, that I have these moments. But still, that wasn't enough. Like, I kept hitting these bottoms, you know, and these things that I kept hoping would be enough to make me put down the food, and it never worked. And I went away to college and um, lost weight because I picked up other substances and came home, and my whole, you know, that semester, I was only up there for one semester. The whole semester that I was up there, I was absolutely miserable, and I, for the first time, really thought, like, of suicidal thoughts, you know, and just, this is miserable. My whole life is, 
is food. I couldn't go to class because I was just obsessing about what I was going to eat and how I was going to get rid of it. And I just, every day it was Groundhog Day, and I woke up and I knew it was going to happen the second my eyes opened. And and I felt, felt really hopeless. And my mom came up, got me from school, and we decided for me to move back home because that was going to fix me. And it didn't. And it got worse and worse and worse. Eventually, I ballooned up to about 230 pounds. And I had to go to the doctor. I had a physical that I had been postponing <laughs> for, like, a year because <laughs> uh, I didn't want to get on that scale. And I knew that if I was going to go to the doctor, I was going to have to get on that scale. And that's a doctor that I've seen my whole life. Um, so he's seen all the ups and downs. And he weighed me, and he told me I was 232 pounds. And I told him that he was a liar some other words that I had with him. And, uh, and so then he proceeded to bring me around to, like, five different scales throughout the office. <laughs> so I could see my reality. And today I'm so grateful for that. And through these rooms I've been able to tell him that, that I'm so grateful that he did that because the denial I was in, I really couldn't see that I was that big. I thought, oh, I'm overweight, but I just have maybe 20 pounds to lose. I, I was in complete denial, and I got to see that, and I started to cry. And the reason I was crying wasn't because I was so huge. The reason I was crying was because I didn't see any other way. Like, I was just going to keep getting bigger until I died. There was no solution. And... um I, I didn't know about this program. I was 19 at the time, and I heard about it through another family member that suggested that I go, and they had been suggesting it for years. And finally, I said, okay, I'll go. And I went to my first meeting in the Valley, and um, I share this a lot, but I hear in these rooms people talking about their first meeting, what they heard in their first meeting and everything. I don't even remember what meeting I went to. I don't remember who was the speaker. I don't remember anything about the meeting. Because that's where I get when I'm in the food. I'm in a complete haze. Like, I barely remember my name. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't care what's going on with you. I'm. It just doesn't matter to me. And um, But I kept coming back, and that was obviously the message that I got. And I kept coming back, I kept coming back, using every excuse in the world to not walk through that door. But I believe it was my higher power that got me in those rooms. And it didn't matter that I didn't, at first, it didn't matter that I didn't have a sponsor. I wasn't working the steps. Like, I just needed to have a seat. And eventually, I got my first sponsor. And being 19, they said, find someone who has what you want. And so I picked the thinnest, cutest woman in there who was newly married and had a baby on the way. And that's what I wanted. And, and but that being said, I learned a lot from her, and she taught me about character defects, and she taught me about turning things over. And I remember asking her, the whole turning things over was a completely foreign concept. I really did not know what it meant, like literally did not know what that phrase meant. And so she taught me that, and I just acted as if. It tells us to act as if, and I did. And eventually I got another sponsor who said that, you know, she had me make my list of my alcoholic foods, and she had me develop an abstinence, and she had me go to meetings and share and work the tools and become involved because I never wanted to be involved in anything. In school, I would never volunteer for anything. I was like that girl. I don't want to get too far in. Like, I don't want to commit to anything at all, so I'm just going to sit on the sidelines. 
and I got corralled into the middle of the program, and it was great, and that's really what, what kept me coming back. And I was, like I said, I was 19 when I walked in the doors, and I, um, I used that as an excuse for a really long time. You know, there's no one I can relate to, and woe is me, and all that stuff. And now, the people that I consider my closest friends in these rooms, I have, on the outside world, I have absolutely nothing in common with. But in these rooms, I have everything in common with them. And, you know, it's a complete miracle that I, that the food doesn't call to me today. Like, I know what I'm eating. I know what my day looks like. And it's not an issue. And I live with two normies. We've had five boxes of Girl Scout cookies sitting in our kitchen for the last two weeks because they're normies and that's what they do. And I and I get to walk by them and just be like, wow. And and truly amazed that, you know, when I get to when I see them packing their lunch in the morning, I really just sit there and watch them. You know, like they're a science experiment. Like they're the petri dish because I it's so different than me. You know, before before the before I was even, like, in the grocery store from their little stand outside, I've already eaten most of the box. And and I get to see them pack two or three of those in their lunch and then go off for their day, and they don't think about them. And I get to be happy for them, like, wow, good for you, because that is not my story. And I'm grateful that I'm clear on that today, that I can't fool myself, you know. I can't, I will never, and for today that's my story, I will never be able to have a cookie. It's It's just not going to happen. And I've done enough experiments to prove myself wrong time and time again. It's not happening. And it doesn't call to me because when I don't have that substance in my body, I get to enjoy life and the obsession gets removed. And I never thought that. And for my first year in program, I was really fighting that. And one of the foods that I was really hanging on to, I was about to take a year candle. And my sister had gotten it. I was still living at home at the time. And... I stole it from her. You know, I was getting ready to take a year candle. And regardless of what the food is, it really doesn't matter what that food was. If I'm stealing and lying and cheating my way through life and in program, you know, that's a really lonely place to be. And and I got to see that and I got to start over and see that dishonesty. And I'm still like totally crazy. You know, that's what I've been able to see lately, is I have this disease, and if I'm not in the food, it pops up in many other areas of my life. And I got to walk through, you know, in the last year, entering another fellowship where I got sober and having the experience of being in the rooms and being active in another addiction, which sucks. You know, it's not fun to be having sponsees and you're telling them, like, I have to do their step work and you're slamming them back that night, you know, it's just not a cute thing, and, uh, and so I got to walk through that, and I got to have a sponsor tell me, you know, if you don't get sober, I'm not sponsoring you, and so I got to walk through that experience, I got to, lately what's been coming up is, like, wanting to steal all the time, and it's really bad, but I, but I don't, you know, I don't get to do it, but I get to see my sickness, you know, and I, I get to see that if I'm not in the food, if I'm not drinking, if I'm not doing these other behaviors, my addict is going to act up in another way, and, and so I get to share that, and I get to share my character defects, and I get to share how insanely self-centered I am, 
And, you know, I had an experience last week that I shared about, and, it, you know, everyone laughs when I share this story, but it's, it's sad to me because it shows the depths of this disease and the depths of my defects. And um, my cousin's getting married, and she asked me to be her bridesmaid which is great, and I, I'm so honored to be her bridesmaid, but, like, my first question to her wasn't, thank you so much. It was, well, what color is your bridesmaid's dress? <laughs> like, that was going to be, you know, before I'm saying thank you so much for including me on your special day, it's all about me. And then I got, because of this program, I get to step back and I get to say, I am so sorry. You know, let's, let's take a step back. Let's forget I said that. Let's, I'm so sorry for that. And I get to see just my craziness and how I always think that I'm not going to be okay. At the root of it, my lack of security is behind all of my anger and angst and craziness is that fear that I'm not going to be okay, I'm not going to be taken care of, I'm going to, you know, walk off the cliff and no one's going to catch me, there's going to be no net, like I'm going to be out of luck. And I have that fear a lot. It's, It's less than it used to be, but I still have nights where I'm not sleeping, you know, because I'm so scared and feel like that total lack of security. And um, at my work, I've been working a lot of hours because one of the girls got, she was in the hospital, and she has a serious staph infection, and it's not good, and she's like 24 years old. And my first thought was... um, I am going to have to cover her shift this weekend. Like, that was my first thought, is my selfishness of, I I don't think about other people first. That's not my first thought. And I get to recognize that today, and I get to see, like, wow, that's something that I really need to work on. I need to have more compassion for other people. And that awareness is huge. And I never had that awareness, neither did I care to have that awareness. And I sponsor girls today, and that's a total gift of the rooms, you know. And sometimes I feel like am I qualified to sponsor? I don't know. You know, I'm just a, another crazy compulsive overeater. But but they help me so much, and I get to see myself, and it's really interesting. And I believe it's totally my higher power. But you know, having sponsees that are a mirror to me you know, have my exact character defects or talking about situations that I've gone through or I'm going through, and that's a gift that I have experienced, you know, in these rooms. And and spreading the message, you know, is huge. And I, lately I've been getting, this last week's been weird, I've been getting a lot of opportunities to, to be of service in that way and to spread the message. And... When I first came into these rooms, I wanted to shout from the hilltops about OA. I wanted to just get everyone in there and, you know, like all my girlfriends. Guys, I found it. You know, come on in. And and now I've learned that I really only – I'm open about my experience, but if people ask – and lately a lot of people have been asking, and it's been a total gift to get to share that, whether they come into the rooms, whether they keep coming back or not. That's that's none of my business, you know, but I get to just be a service to reach that hand, to be that contact for people to have, and that's a total blessing. And I get to look at how my defects come out in the rooms of these meetings. Um, you know, I have a lot of anger and angst, 
and it came out my whole life, and it came out in these rooms with a vengeance this last year, like lashing out at people in meetings and just feeling really angry. And so I get to practice these steps with that in the rooms, and I get to recognize that when it's happening. And at a meeting this morning, someone was sharing that bulimics have, like, all this anger and angst, and I was like, oh, God, this is fabulous because that is me like I just my feelings are just so big which I think most people in this room can relate to I hope I hope they can um my feelings are huge like when I love something I'm so passionate and I want to tell everyone about it and when I hate someone and when you make me mad I want to tell everyone about it and I want to just go off the handle and and I was talking to my sponsor this morning I'm on my ninth step right now and I was talking to her about some of my men some of the things that I did growing up and having that realization that at such a young age, I had such a high level of anger and, like, you did me wrong and all this stuff. And we're talking about how old I was. And I was 10 years old. Like, that is not a normal reaction when you're 10 years old. And um, and it all, for me, it all goes back to that lack of security. You know, how I act out while I'm in recovery is that lack of security, whether it's the stealing or, or whatever it is. And I get to walk through really hard things in this program, you know, and this year has been really hard, like the toughest, probably the toughest year I've had so far. Um, and I lost someone really, really close to me, and it was really sudden and just a crazy story and something that I still wake up every morning saying, did that really happen or was this, like, a bad movie I watched? Um but I get to walk through it absently, and my food doesn't change regardless of the fact that she died because what I, the clarity I've gotten is that that situation is still there regardless of if I pick up or I don't pick up, and that's not going to change. And, um, and I get to be honest that as great as my life is, there's that void. And there's those feelings. And as an addict, like, I don't like the feelings, and I expect them to have a timeline. I expect there to be, like, a start, middle, and end period for my feelings. And that's not how it works. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> um, it's not how it works at all. And I have tools today to work through these things. And, you know, I can – I have so many more tools today than I had when I was in the food. Before, the food was my own – food and body obsession were my only tools for life, like, at all. And today I have so many options. I can call someone. I can do writing. I can, you know, reach out to a newcomer. I can go to a meeting. I can walk. I can, like, there's, I have a whole toolbox. And I hated that saying when I came in because I thought it was so corny. I hated all the things. <laughs> and, and I still sometimes do, but I'm starting to come around. But, uh, but it's so true. Like, we have, it's a way of living. And, and I get to show up when I don't want to show up. And that's a gift because I never showed up for anything at all. You know, I would leave jobs without giving notice. I would, I was a bolter. I, I didn't stick around. And today I get to stick around and I get to make decisions that I would never make if I was in the food. And um, it's just for the newcomers, welcome. You're in the right place. For me, there's really no other option. And... That's a gift. You know, I used to hate that. I used to say that with anger. Like, that's, I'm just here because there's nothing else. And, and 
now I'm really grateful that there's nothing else because I have a solution. And when I think that there's a different solution, I get people that remind me that I tried things over and over again and those never worked. So chances are they're not going to work again. And I get to keep coming back here. And when I don't want to be here, I'm honest in these rooms. You know, it's a safe place. But we can be honest about if we're feeling angry, if we're feeling whatever. It doesn't matter. And I don't know many other places in my life where I can be that honest and people just nod their heads and say, all right, Katie, keep coming back. <laughs> You're nuts, but, you know, but keep coming back. We'll see you tomorrow morning. And and that's a, a total gift. So thank you for letting me share, and then I'm going to open it up for questions. how my higher power has evolved. I grew up, uh, like I shared, I grew up Catholic, and I definitely had a higher power. You know, I wasn't one of the, I definitely had some sort of a relationship, but I learned in here that it's different to have faith than to have, like, that dependence upon God. And so I've had to really work on fortifying that relationship where there's a true dependence on God and a real relationship, and where I can get angry with God, and I can get upset with God, because I was never comfortable with that before. I felt like I always had to be that good girl with God, and all my best behavior, and all that. And what I've learned is that it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. And it's actually more honest for me if I'm if I'm not just that way. And getting to that place where I can be open to the idea that, that God, I have a sponsor that says, God's got my back. You know, to be have that sort of a relationship where I might not like his plan, I might not like what he's throwing at me, but but he's always there. I just have to be willing to access him. Uh, my abstinence. So it's very specific. It's very long. So if you want to see it after the meeting, come talk to me. But it's evolved over the years. Um, because for me, like, I have to be so clear about my abstinence. So that's why it's so long. Because it's like... When I started, when I came in, it was three meals a day, up to two snacks, no throwing up. And then I was finding other bulimic behaviors to act on. And then I was, you know, reaching for foods that didn't work. And what happens with me is it's usually a process of adding a specific food to my abstinence. Besides the sugar, I knew from the beginning that sugar and white flour, just they're my drug. I can't, I can't even mess with them. But there's certain foods like, hummus and frozen fruit that I never thought would be on my abstinence but they are today because I just eat them like it's a drug you know I was I'm a receptionist and I was sitting at work with this thing of hummus like <laughs> like and like licking my fingers like you know and and I work at a nice place you know there's people walking in and I'm like I'm like hang on like, you know or eating the frozen fruit so much that like my whole face is blue like it's just when when those things are happening <laughs> when those things are happening like it's time to go on the abstinence list so you know but, it's, but I will share it with you after the meeting if you want to see it so I want to get up here and say oh sorry prayer and meditation I want to get up here and say that I meditate every single day but the reality is and I'm in a very honest mood tonight the reality is is that I, I don't meditate and it's something I really struggle with and I wish I did more of it I have a lot of close friends in program and I get to who do it and I get to see the results but I just 
that's my truth right now is I just, I don't do it. But um, prayer is a big part of my life. I get up every single morning and I pray and I thank God for, you know, that I'm alive one more day and to please help me to be willing to work the tools of this program. You know, the willingness, not just keep me abstinent or get me abstinent, but give me that willingness that I had on day one, day three, day 30 to continue out today. And and that's been a huge part of my story. Okay, so I shared about how when I was my heaviest, I didn't think I was that bad. And then when I am this weight, I think that I'm huge, you know? And so that's been a struggle. But the weight loss, I would say the first 60 pounds came off pretty quickly within my first year. And then the last 30 have been gradual. When I got sober, I did lose about 10 to 12 pounds. Um, but when I was in the world before, I my whole existence was lived in sweatpants and, like, huge hooded sweatshirts. And I just wanted to hide. And I didn't care about how I presented myself at all. And today... You know, I've learned that it's part of how I show up for my life is that I get dressed, I shower like a normal human being, and I show up in the world. And whether I'm uncomfortable or not, whether I'm having a day where I feel huge or where I feel okay, you know, I I still, I take those same actions regardless of how I feel. Because what I've learned in here is if if I go to bed feeling okay and I wake up feeling huge, it's something in me, in my head, not reality. Because, you know... I doubt I gained, like, 30 pounds overnight. And so I get to show up regardless. (laughs) How does exercise plan my food intake and recovery? So for me, my food doesn't change regardless of if I exercise or not. Because that was part of my craziness is, you know, I'll take this class and then I can eat more. And for me, my abstinence and my food plan are the same as well. So I don't, my food doesn't change if I'm exercising more. So if I'm exercising, it's because sometimes that's my form of meditation or prayer is going on a hike and exercising. You know, no music, just just me and my higher power. Um, but to be honest, I don't exercise a ton because for me, I just, I'm lazy. And if my, my food doesn't get to change, you know, and I'm an extremist. With, when I was exercising, I would take three classes back to back and be all, you know, it's all I would do or nothing at all. So my sponsor said, well, you can walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes. I want to start training for a marathon or do nothing. So, <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> but it's a great tool if you can do it moderately. It's <laughs> a good question. How did my friends re- react to the change? Um, most of them, I was actually lucky. Most of them, they reacted very well because they could see there was a certain point in my disease where I went from being a social compulsive over here to drawing the drapes and disconnecting the phone and not showing up for things. And so they were, most of them were really grateful that I found a solution and that they didn't, you know, have to lose me because really I was on the fast track to death in this disease. Um, but there were some friends that they want the fat friends. <laughs> And so when I lost the weight, some of them just weren't, they weren't okay with it. And what I had to learn in these rooms, that that's, that that is okay. So, anyway, thank you.